not wallow in the valley of despair. I say to you today, my friends, and so even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. Welcome, everyone, to the House of Mercy podcast. It's it's good to have you here, even though you're not really here. I sure do miss you. I uh, hope you're finding ways to survive these troubled times and finding some mercy, or I hope that the mercy is finding you. Oh, yeah, I like that. The mercy is out there after you and going to find you. That's good. I hope so. Yeah. yeah I think so. Yeah. Um, hey, speaking of the mercy, uh, I know that uh, a lot of you uh, were involved in the work that we did uh, with Midway Relief uh, after um, during the protests following the death of murder of uh, George Floyd at uh, Bethlehem Lutheran Church in the Midway where we meet. And uh, as a way of kind of staying engaged in the community or some uh, things that came out of all that um, beautiful uh, creativity and service, um, we... Um, uh, Bethlehem in the Midway and uh, Midway Relief uh, is we are commissioning uh, some local artists, preferencing artists uh, of color, and uh, to come and uh, paint some murals on that church building up there. And we're uh, like four to six of them, depending on what they look like. And we have sent out uh, a call for artists which um, will also, um, if you haven't seen it and through other channels, will be going out in uh, the House of Mercy newsletter today. If you do not receive the House of Mercy newsletter but would like to see this call for artists, you can just go to our House of Mercy website and uh, sign up for the newsletter. Also, you could uh, email me and I will send it to you, russell 
at houseofmercy.org. And please, if you know of anyone who you think this might be appropriate for or whatever, please pass this along. Uh, we already have uh, some art that has come up on, put up on that building uh, since then. Angie's beautiful mosaic and uh, some stuff part of the uh, Blues for George project. But more life, more art's going to go up on that building. So, yeah, I'm excited about that. Yeah, buy one. You can buy one. Yeah, but but uh, you know they're beautiful hymnals. You can't one of a you can't find a hymnal like this anywhere. And uh, beautifully uh, letter pressed uh, by Sister Black Press and uh, hymn collection. What we sing out of. Uh, so some great stuff in there. Um, just uh, yeah, email info at houseofmercy.org. Now now we do have a big announcement coming up. Uh, uh, I think something everybody's been waiting for. Um, we are announcing that uh, we're changing our name to uh, the Kitty Cat Association. No, no, that wasn't it. Um, big announcement, Debbie. Yeah, we are going to meet together mm-hmm. outside for the Feast of Jonah. What a great, what a great feast to finally see each other at uh, September twentieth. Septem- yeah, let's, let's just do it. Let's, uh, we're going to figure out the social distancing, figure out how to do it safe. Um, yeah, what else, Tom, about the Feast of Jonah? Yeah, no, it's fantastic. It will be. While we still, uh, it is not safe to come back and to begin to meet regularly face-to-face, um, we feel like we can safely meet outside on the church lawn for the Feast of Jonah, socially distanced, uh, covid uh, precautions in order um but we're gonna have (laughs) yeah well yeah i'm just i'm just i'm going through in my mind yeah sorry all right you know what i was really thinking about if that if my dog keeps barking i don't know what i'm gonna do that's what so i wasn't listening to you because i was thinking about (laughs) shiva barking but it seems like she stopped um but yes what else we're gonna have yeah music Uh, maybe you said that too we will not have any feast like maybe bring your own Feast, picnic, it's kind of in development yet. Bring your own body and blood of Christ. Uh, and uh, but and there's going to be some, uh, yeah, uh, Debbie and I will, each will be reflecting on the theme of the Feast of Jonah, um, essay, stories, something like that, and then uh, some extended music by a very special guest to yet be determined. Um, also, if, you know, it's been a while and you have want to volunteer, help out with something, um, we're in the thinking stage and putting this all together, and uh, we'll need help on the day, and we also need help thinking through some things. So if you have any interest in being part of this, email russell at houseofmercy.org to be on the uh, Feast of Jonah uh, planning commission. Yeah, we need, uh, we're thinking about everybody bringing their own picnic, uh, but yeah, we need to think it all through, mm-hmm. and people that are good at thinking about being COVID careful. We love your input. Uh, Debbie, I just said all that. 
know. I'm just saying. All right. Uh, you, what else? Okay, you think? Well, I think that's it. This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. God of mercy, we pray that for at least a few moments, a half hour, we would feel the depth of our connection to you and each other and the whole of humanity, even though we don't see each other as much. And you, well, sometimes we hardly see you at all, but help us to see. Help us see your presence in this tired, lively, beautiful and terrible world. Be with us. Help us know you're here. Amen. Please join with us in singing House of Mercy hymn number six, Jesus Walking on the Water. We pray that justice will roll down like water, not like rocks, not in a way that will bloody us, not in a way that will drown us, but in a way that will cleanse us. We pray that the thirst of those who never get enough water, opportunity, respect, might finally be quenched. Help us create a world where there is some equity in who gets to flourish, where some lavish grace overwhelms a belief in scarcity. We pray that we will learn to be generous, merciful, loving in some ever-flowing way that could change this nation and its ever-unjust ways. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, Give us a glimpse of the thoroughness 
with which you embrace our entire being, every lovely, petty, sad, scared, expansive part. Give us an inkling of the humility, the unselfconscious abandon with which you pursue us, your broken beloveds. And may the wonder of this dissolve any false ground upon which we might judge one another. In both the mundane details of life and the most profound, may the mercy and love with which you embrace us free us to greet, view, and hold each other with grace and mercy and love. We pray this might be true with our most intimate others, our casual acquaintances, the people we barely encounter, and even those we see as enemies. We need something to keep us from hate. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we pray for healing. If it is too late for the mind or body to emerge unscathed, then gather up every bit of tenderness and peace from everywhere possible, earth, sky, family, friends, and surround those who are suffering with love. We pray for less needless suffering, for every possible relief, for those who are alone in the hospital, who feel isolated in their homes or their heads. May your mercy be some sort of salve and some perceivable, substantial, even if not quite obvious enough way. Help us see you in our moments of greatest need. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Tonight's scripture is from the book of Amos, chapter 5, verses 18 through 27. Alas for you who desire the day of the Lord. Why do you want the day of the Lord? It is darkness, not light, as if someone fled from a lion and was met by a bear, or went into the house and rested a hand against the wall and was bitten by a snake. Is not the day of the Lord darkness, not light, and gloom with no brightness in it? I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Did you bring to me sacrifices and offerings the 40 years in the wilderness, O house of Israel? You shall take up Sackoth, your king, and Kaiwan, your star god, your images which you made for yourselves. Therefore, I will take you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is the God of hosts. This is the word of God. Amen.
That was Mahala Jackson singing at the March on Washington for Jobs and Freedom on August 28, 1963. You know, without Mahala Jackson, Martin Luther King may have never given his I Have a Dream speech. Maybe you've heard the story before, you probably have, but I just love it, that uh, Martin Luther King had a very limited time. He was trying to decide between two metaphors or what tone he should take in this speech, and he decided on this metaphor of the bad check representing America's failure to deliver on the promises of freedom to black citizen. And... Uh, as he was giving the speech, he wasn't quite landing, he felt. And Mahalia Jackson, who had been with him at many rallies and many speeches, who played for him and sang with him, had heard his I Have a Dream speech before. And she could tell that uh, Dr. King was not quite satisfied with how the speech was going. And so she shouted out, Martin, tell him about your dream. And Dr. King paused and looked at her and took his prepared speech and set it to the side and began to preach the I Have a Dream speech. Tell him about your dream, Martin. I love that story. I Have a Dream is clearly the most memorable phrase, refrain, from the March on Washington speech. It's actually, that speech is known as the I Have a Dream speech, even though those words do not appear in the original manuscript. Maybe the second most memorable quote from that speech is when Dr. King references our text for today. He takes verse 24 of Amos chapter 5. He says, no, no, we are not satisfied, and we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. The verse comes at the end of some pretty fiery rhetoric from Amos prophesying in the name of the Lord. He says, I hate, I despise your festivals, and I take no delight in your solemn assemblies. Even though you offer me your burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. And the offerings of well-being, the well-being of your fatted animals, I will not look upon. Take away from me the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the melody of your harps. But let justice roll down like waters and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Let justice roll down like water. It is such an iconic phrase because of the March on Washington speech that even when I read it, I hear Dr. King's voice. Even when I'm reading it out of Amos, I hear Dr. King's voice. So connected are they in my culturally conditioned consciousness that when I read any of Amos, when I read a commentary on Amos, I think of Dr. Martin Luther King. I picture him. In my mind, Amos looks like Dr. King. Let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. I read it even in Dr. King's cadence. Even when I'm reading it to myself. But because of that powerful connection that I have, that powerful connection, I've not really stopped and considered exactly what this simile means. Let justice roll down like water, righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. 
At first, the two phrases seem to be a repetition of the same idea, which is a common technique in the prophetic poetry of the Hebrew Bible, and maybe like every other kind of poetry in every other culture, ancient and otherwise, Shakespeare or Jamila Woods. But looking closer, it seems like two different ideas are being expressed. Righteousness, like an ever-flowing stream, is pretty clear. A stream. Streams in the desert. Flowing stream. A flowing stream is often an often used simile in the prophets, and a good one. A stream. Water. Is a source of life. Brings life. Is refreshing, cooling, reviving. And a stream, an ever-flowing stream, is unending continually, always. Righteousness, Amos is saying, is like that. Ever-flowing, ongoing, life-giving. But justice rolling down like water has a different connotation. Rolling down or flowing down feels more like a waterfall or a deluge. I think of Travis Bickle in Taxi Driver. One day a real rain is going to come and wash all the scum from the streets. That Travis Bickle rap was, of course, quoted on the Clash song, Red Angel, Dragnet, from the Combat Rock album. Not a great song on an uneven album, and it was written by Paul Simonon, the bass player. I'm just saying he's no Joe Strummer or Mick Jones, but I digress. One day a real rain is going to come and wash all the scum from the streets. Let justice roll down like water feels more like a real rain coming, not a life sustaining stream, refreshing, cooling, reviving. Let justice roll down like water feels more like a deluge, deluge, like the great deluge, like the Genesis flood. Let justice roll down like water is judgment, a flash flood, storm surge, tsunami judgment, overwhelming and unstoppable flowing through the streets, flooding the festivals, breaking through the temples, upending the sacrificial places and wiping away the offerings, the grain, the birds, the lambs, sending the harps and the icons crashing before the waves and then all being consumed in the depths. There is justice and then there is righteousness, the steady, unending, life-giving stream. The, most, the Amos quote in the March on Washington speech comes at the end of a section where Dr. King is encouraging the marchers and the protesters not to stop. Saying, as long as justice has not flooded the streets, we cannot stop fighting. He says, we cannot walk alone. And as we walk, we must make the pledge that we shall always march ahead. We cannot turn back. There are those who are asking the devotees of civil rights when will you be satisfied? We can never be satisfied as long as a Negro is the victim of the unspeakable horrors of police brutality. No, no, we are not satisfied. And we will not be satisfied until justice rolls down like water and righteousness like a mighty stream. We cannot stop. We cannot be satisfied until justice rolls down like water. I need to hear those words now, today, because I'm worried that this is going to run down, uh, run out, that protests will get further and further apart, that fatigue will set in. I mean, I'm encouraged by the good people of Portland. I read the paper every day in search for news of ongoing marches, and I realize 
and I'm looking for the streets that are flooded with people, a deluge of people, like we saw in the first weeks after George Floyd was murdered. Every city all around the world. And there were comments by many different people about how many white people were showing up. It was different than before. And how many white people are showing up and staying with Black Lives Matters and the mothers of the sons and daughters of those who have been killed by the police. And today I was thinking, are the white people still showing up? I don't know if I see as many white people out in the streets. I know I'm not out in the streets like I was. And then another thought, is it sad or unfortunate that uh, the injustice is not noticed when there are not white people out there standing together with indigenous black and people of color in the streets? But then this thought hits me, like a waterfall, like the sky opening up. Patrice Cullors and other black leaders are not encouraged only by the number of white people coming out because it helps draw attention. They're encouraged to see white people coming out and standing up because it is a white people problem. The injustice is caused by white people. So the more people, white people are showing up means the more white people are realizing our problem, confessing our complicity in the white supremacy built into the American dream. We have a white people problem. And my white people, we cannot stop. We must not stop until the real rain comes and washes the racism from the streets. And not just the streets, we need actions in our homes, maybe most importantly. From the cabins of Lake Mille Lacs to the dinner tables of our parents, wherever there is racism, systemic, blatant, or tolerated, White people, we need to deal with our problem. It is way past okay to chuckle about crazy racist Uncle Gary. Way past acceptable to just roll your eyes when coworker Karen makes some comment. White people, we cannot afford to keep the peace with our families just because we are sure they aren't going to change their minds no matter what we say. White people, we have a problem. Racism is a white problem. And we cannot stop. We cannot turn back. No, no, we cannot be satisfied until justice rolls down like waters and righteousness like a mighty stream. Until we're all washed clean in the flood. And only then can we all find life in the ever-flowing stream. This is God's table and all are welcome. On the night he was handed over to death, Jesus took bread and gave thanks for it and broke it and gave it to his disciples to eat saying, take, eat. This is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup and gave it for all to drink saying, this cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and shed for all people for forgiveness of sin. Do this and remember me. We invite you to share communion with those you are with during the hymn. 
Please join with us in singing House of Mercy hymn number eight, The Great Speckled Bird. May God bless you and keep you. May God's face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May God look upon you with mercy and give you peace.